0: here you just heard me pastor a little bit Um, and that's kind of my approach we're gonna go to Matthew chapter 2 and I want to preach under this title having come a long way to worship having come a long way to worship every person in their lifetime I'm convinced of this is presented the opportunity to make a decision about Jesus Christ You have the historical record, we have eyewitness testimony, all of these things combined, including the declarations made by Jesus about himself, make it impossible to ignore. And almost everyone you meet has heard of Jesus in some way, somehow. Some have opinions that maybe he was just a good man. Of course, I I don't know too many good men uh, that, you know, would do the things that Jesus had done and then claim to be God and that we would just ignore that fact, that claim being made. Uh, It classifies him into a very specific place. And so everyone has opportunity. Everyone has the chance. It was the same when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And what I found, uh, I'll be celebrating a birthday coming up pretty soon, 41. I know I look like 25, but uh, I will be turning 41. You can just believe it. Uh, I've learned this in my life, that not much has changed. Not much has changed. Change is. While it's a consistent thing, the rudimentary things of humanity have not changed very much. Right. The things that you deal, I- deal with in your personal life, in your private life, they're the same things that uh, generations ago people were dealing with. It's yeah. the same type of stuff. It may yeah. have manifest differently, but it was the same type of stuff. Right. You go back to the Renaissance, guess what? They had porno- pornography in the Renaissance. Right. You say, well, that's a, that's a problem today. No, that's just an access on the Internet thing today, but it's always been there. It's always been there. The things in humanity do not really change, and the things that we have to make decision on don't really change. And being faced with making a decision about Jesus has not changed. Matthew 2, 1 through 3, we have the story of the birth of Jesus It means that he was roiled like water. He was agitated. He was stirred up over this news. Now, Herod is an interesting character because Herod was half Jew and half Idumean. The Idumean people came from the lineage of Esau. So, within Herod, there's this picture of the people of God, the chosen, and then Esau, who became the people who were in opposition to God's chosen people. There was a point that would become, this point, that he was both half Jew, half Idumean, would become a sore spot, a sore subject, if you will, to the Jewish people when Herod is made king by Rome. And to give a little background on Herod, Herod, during the civil wars in Palestine, made himself useful to Rome, helping Rome establish themselves, and he gained their trust. And because of that trust factor, he became the governor in 47 B.C. Now Herod, uh, he was a skilled politician. He was skilled at balancing the demands of Rome above him, And the people on the ground below him that wanted to be free of Rome. He was very skilled. He was known for a lot of things. He's known as a great builder to historians. He even created or built a temple in Jerusalem that would become known as Herod's temple to later historians. And seven years after this governorship was put on him, Herod was made king. Title given by Rome king Jerusalem the surrounding area and to show just how skilled a politician he was how skilled a ruler he was he reigned until his death in 4 BC it's quite a long time to be established as king especially in the political turmoil that was Rome Jerusalem the thing about Herod is he could be generous He could be very generous. It's recorded that at one point he suspended all the tax collection collections because of famine. Imagine that. Imagine 2020, we're just gonna suspend all taxes. Not gonna pay any sales tax. Not, hey, we're gonna give back to you what you've already given or what you haven't even given yet. (laughs) Am I meddling? Herod did that. At a time of famine, he he suspended all the tax in Rome. This is kind of a, a risky thing when you think about it. Rome needs her money. But that one act improved the living conditions of all the people who were suffering of the famine. And the kingdom was elevated. That's how he ruled Jerusalem. However, Herod had one major flaw. Every action Herod did, was done in self-service. He didn't suspend taxes because he loved everyone. He suspended taxes because there was a benefit coming to him. If he was being nice to you, you can be guaranteed that it served him in some way. He was a self-serving person. If he was building you a temple to worship in, there was some benefit that he saw later down the road. Herod was king of Jerusalem, but there was another on the throne of Herod's life. Self sat on the throne. And as he aged, self became the most important thing. Caesar Augustus said of Herod one time, it's safer to be his pig than be his son. And how true and how right Caesar was when he said it, because Herod had his sons, Antipater, Alexander, and one of his other sons, I can't pronounce his name, assassinated. He had three of his sons assassinated. He murdered his wife and his mother, her mother, because he was self-serving. Anyone he felt was a threat was eliminated. Anything that stood between him and his desire was removed. Self sat on the throne of Herod's life. And when he heard that these wise men from the east had come, Herod was troubled, agitated, stirred up, and he stirred up Jerusalem with him. It was natural for Herod to respond just as he did There's a kingdom, there's a king, there's a throne right here in my kingdom. Threat to himself. Calling together the chief priests and scribes, he decided to locate this imposter. Where is he? Where's the one that's going to be born? They're calling him king of the Jews. Find him, find him. Jealousy drove his attempt at deceit. Find him and I will worship him too. He'd been on the throne for a long time. He'd been receiving all the benefits of the throne for a long time. He'd had all the pleasures that his position in life would afford him. Self needed to be preserved. And so in an act reminiscent of Pharaoh visiting evil upon the mothers of Israelite babies, all to eliminate Moses, a threat. Herod had boys of a certain age murdered to eliminate a threat. And it was all for self. You see, self is a powerful motivator. Now, let's not judge Herod too harshly because each of us have a self. Each of us have a self who would sit on the throne in our life and would come between us and what God's will is. Self is a powerful thing. And sometimes self comes in the form of being involved with too many things in life, too many distractions, too many things going on, too much that takes our attention away from the real purpose of life, which is to bring glory to the king and to serve him. Self gets in the way of a lot of those things. Self gets in the way of sacrifice. Self gets in the way of worship. Self gets in the way of doing what is right. Self gets in the way of morality. Self gets in the way of a lot of things that God would do in your life. Self is dangerous. And each one of us has a self. Most interesting thing to me The story of Jesus' birth is these other characters. Ones who could direct Herod to the location of the coming Messiah. Think about this for a moment. These scribes and these priests, they knew. They knew what was happening. But they were indifferent to his appearing. Matthew 2, 4 through 6 says this, when they had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. These high priests and these scribes, They had the answer for Herod's question. Where is he going to be born? He said, yeah, we we know where he is going to be born. Sure, God's word tells us. The prophet Micah, he recorded it all. He said it's going to be in Bethlehem. It's going to be not very far from here, actually. It's really close. Once they'd given the answer, they go right back to their usual activities of life high priests were the ones who took care of the temple, all the rituals for worship. They were the ones who made sure that all the sacrifices were being made. They made sure that all of the worship of the people was being done unto God. They were the ones who gave direction. They should have been thrilled, you would think, that there was one being born that had been center of all of their activities leading up to this point. But instead... They went right on with ritual, indifferent to the occasion. The scribes involved in their biblical legal discussions and writing down, transmitting from their parchments from one writer to the next, all of the biblical proclamations that were being made. They said, yeah, yeah, we, we know where he's going to be born. You can see it right here. I can imagine one of them pulling out a parchment and saying, look, right there, we're not lying to you, it says Bethlehem. And then rolling it up, returning to their pens and their parchment, all of which had been used to spread the message that they were now bringing of one going to be born who was a ruler and king but indifferent to the fulfilling of the very word they had spent their lives writing down. Indifference is a spiritual killer. We've lived here seven years, and the other day I kind of started thinking about all the places I have not been, not visited. How many of us have been to the Georgia Aquarium? Just raise your hand, it's fine. How many of us have been uh, to the Civil Rights Museum? How many of us have been to Olympic Park? Braves Stadium? You look across this room, what you'll notice is different hands go out, go up at different times and I could go on naming College Football Hall of Fame. I have not been there yet, which is amazing. The Carter Museum not been there yet I keep talking about it I I keep telling my wife every few months I'm like you know I really want to try and squeeze that in this year and go check that out because I have a I have a goal I'm ashamed to admit this I have a goal of visiting every presidential library I've got one right here in my backyard I've not been to it yet indifference I had a friend one time who was very addicted in his life, still is addicted to drugs. I can remember my dad telling me that this friend I grew up with who's addicted to drugs had directed another friend who was bound by the very same drug addiction that there was a church in the, in the city that would help him if he wanted to be free. And that guy went and got free. can remember my brother who was not in the church sending a friend to my dad to ask biblical questions. They were just talking about Bible things and my brother said, well, you know, I know someone who could give you the answers you're looking for. Send them to my dad. Indifference is the attitude. Indifference. Let's not judge the scribes and priests too harshly. Because we can be just as indifferent. Indifferent to the Lord and his priorities. Indifferent to placing spiritual things below some physical things. Indifferent to ordering our lives in the way that God would have us order our lives indifferent to the things that god is doing oh god give us a spiritual ear let us hear what the spirit says let us know what you're doing in this hour now there are two words for the biblical word of god word is in the bible the word the two words that you see you see logos which is the word, the word incarnate, it's the Bible. When we refer to the Bible, we're usually talking about the logos. But there's another word that's often used. Jesus used this word when he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that word was rema. It's a rema word. It means the same powerful word, but a word for today. And if you're indifferent to what God is doing, you may spend all your time in the Bible, but you may miss the thing that God is directing you to in your life. You may miss the daily word that you need in your life because you get so indifferent to what God is doing and so focused on all of the other tasks and the rituals and the things of day to day and the work that's going on that's right in front of your face that God is doing something amazing over here when you should be thrilled, you go right back to other priorities. But then there's the wise men. The wise men of the East. They came to worship. Matthew 2, 9 through 11. When they heard the king, they departed. Behold, the star which they had seen in the East went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Think about that for a moment. Having come a mighty long way, they find him. They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They fell down. They worshiped him. They brought treasures and presented him gifts. All they needed was additional guidance from a star, from a witness, something pointing them in the right direction. And they would find him and they would worship him. But the ones who had come the farthest came to worship. The ones who came the farthest came to worship. Why do you worship Jesus? I worship because of how far I have come. I worship because he is a God who is full of grace and mercy and when I was so far from him he called my name and he began to draw and pull on me and lead me in a direction does it mean I walk right every day no it does not but what it means is with every step I got a little bit closer and whenever I get to him I will fall down on my knees and I will worship I will hold nothing back from him because I have come too far not to worship him I will not be indifferent and I will not let self sit on the throne instead I will remember that he has called me and he has given me a purpose and he has given me a path to walk and he has done things in my life that I cannot deny that I cannot reject am I talking to anyone this morning that you can say I know how far he has brought me when someone asks you why are you serving him why are you worshiping him you can say I've come way too far if you just knew me before, if you knew what was in my life, if you knew what he's delivered me from, then you would know why I worship him. The amen, amen. ones who have the farthest journey are the ones who worship him. And I've witnessed this, this. I've watched this. You watch people and I sit with people all the time. There are things that come up and get in the way and they allow things to enter into their life and there's someone else that they're so far from God but all of a sudden God starts working in their life and leading them and they're just saying, God, I don't know what to do but I'm just gonna follow you, I'm gonna trust you, I'm gonna get there and when they get there, they hold nothing back because they know how far they have come. writing to Timothy he said who has saved us and called us with a holy calling and he is calling he is calling not according to our works it's not what you do it's not what I do I believe in works of righteousness I I believe in doing good things I believe in all of those things I'm going to instruct you to live that way but it's not according to those works it's because he is gracious And because he loves and because he cares and because he wants to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. You can be faithful. You can be faithful. You can stand on your own before him. Do all the things that you should do, but He is not doing it because you are faithful. He's doing it because He can do what you cannot do. You can't save yourself. You can't provide every need that you ever face. You can't work every miracle that you need to be worked. But if you're faithful and you trust Him, He will do it because that's the kind of God that He is. Saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. I'm talking to people today, I'm talking to two kinds of people. I'm talking to one person that you have, you know, you've come a long way. If we just started having testimony service, we started allowing people to talk about things that God has done in their life, there would be people that would stand up and say, you know, I was facing depression, but God brought me out there'll be somebody else that stands up and they say you know what I lost someone that I loved dearly it was catastrophic it was tragedy it was just tore my life apart but sometime in the middle of it I felt the hand of God and his grace and his mercy led me out we'd talk to somebody else and they'd say I was facing an issue of cancer or some other disease and sickness and doctors were giving up hope but somehow God made a way where there seemed to be no way and there would be people over and over that would have a testimony as saying what God had done in their life, how far He had brought them. And then there are others I'm speaking to right now that God wants to do in your life. Everything He's done for every other person bring you a mighty long way, all for His own glory. And you're wondering. Well, is it me? God really do that for me? Would he do a work in my life? And I want to say to you, yes. Yes, he will. I can remember early in my walk with God, and I'm getting ready to end. There was a time and a season where I really felt like God was wanting to do more with my life. But I was having trouble. I was having all kinds of trouble. You know what my trouble was? Trusting, trusting, trusting God. God was giving me dreams. He was giving me visions. He was stirring my spirit and stirring my life. And I was wrestling with God. One night, a dream, God spoke to me. He said, you know, you have faith in God. You have faith in in me but you don't have faith of me and the explanation there was I trusted God but I didn't trust God and what he would do in me I had no trouble believing God believing he died that Jesus Christ came died for my salvation I, I trusted that I believed that but whenever it came to God saying you know I, I want to work In your, I want to get more personal with you, Lane Kuhn. I want to be in your world. I want to be in your life. I want to do for you what you've seen me do for others. That was a different story. God, you you don't look at all this stuff in my life. Look at all these things that I, I allowed to happen in my life. Look at all these struggles that have developed my lifetime I'm saying I see all of that but if you'll just come if you'll just go the direction I'm leading you you'll get to the place I want you to be in Amen. just like the wise men following a star they knew they knew where it was going they didn't just look up in the sky and say, look, it's happening. What we've read about, heard about, it's happening. They said, We got we got to get our things. We got to get ready, we got to go. And all of the gifts that they brought with them, they represented their culture, represented their country, and they came a great long way. And whenever they get into the midst of the people God is being born into and born for, God robed in flesh among them. Emmanuel, God with us, a personal God. Indifference in self kept many of them away. But those wise men, coming the farthest, they went and they worshiped. Is there someone today you know just how far he's brought you? getting ready to end, you can stand with me. You know how far he's brought you. I don't want to tell anyone's testimonies in this place just because I think that's yours. But if I were to start talking, There are people in here, they've been delivered from drugs. There are people in here, they've been delivered from bondages, all kind of bondages, sexual bondage, all kind of things God has delivered them from. There are people in here that have overcome tragedy after tragedy. There are people in here that have overcome family line issues, things that have went back for generations in their families and they're praying against them manifesting in their own family and in their own life and god is doing the work there are people in here that literally have come out of prisons there are things that god has done and i just think the ones that come the farthest they're the ones that go they present all the gifts they open up their treasure and they say i've got worship to give why because i've come so far I'm not stopping at Herod's palace of self. I'm not going with the scribes and Pharisees and the legalists and getting off on the side and indifference. I'm not letting the world get in the way, but I have come to worship. I have come to worship. Can you do that right now? Just begin to worship Him. If God's brought you a long way, why don't you worship Him? If his goodness has followed after you, if it's ran after you, if he's pursued you, why don't you worship him? Give him all your worship. Open up the treasures and gifts that you have. Drop him at the throne, the King of kings and Lord of lords.